0: to the New York Rangers podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and today we'll be having on Rob Uger, who some of you may know him from Twitter. He does a lot of Rangers analytics. Struggling, unfortunately, will not be with us today. He was, I believe, going to a Ranger, uh, game. I'm not sure if it was Rangers or not. Um, so if some of you who don't follow us on Twitter, we just announced that we're having a New York Rangers playoff special, which means that we'll be every two playoff games having a podcast. And as well as every time the Rangers win, we'll be giving away a card. Um, We're teaming up with Drew Way. Uh, We had him on an interview a couple of months ago. If you want to check our Twitter for all the info there. And as well as right before the Rangers playoffs start, we'll be having a playoff preview with Ava and Luca. And as well as Shragi, we'll be back on next episode as well. Uh, But first, we get to a quick words from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% signup bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% signup bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And we're back with Rob Luke. Rob, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. So uh, obviously we brought you on because you're all analytics, Rangers analytics. And uh, we got to talk about the big subject of the Rangers 5v5, Uh, pre-trade deadline, post-trade deadline, the whole shebang. Uh, What can you tell us about pre-deadline stuff? How bleak was it? So it, it wasn't
1: bleak all the time. I'll, I'll try to remain an optimist here, but it was it was kind of ugly uh, for a while. Definitely. Um, there was one stretch basically between the middle of November to the middle of December where um, the team definitely had a run against some software competition. But that said, they took care of business and also played well against some stronger teams. And um, there was some real positivity around that after after kind of a rougher start. And um, that was relying a lot upon goaltending. But then as we reached the uh, late December period and then through basically February or so, um, I mean, the Rangers were kind of doing the Rangers thing that we got used to a little bit, maybe during the Lundquist years, which is where they were getting out shot, getting out chance pretty regularly. Um, with the exception this year being obviously they very good special teams. So um, that's pre-deadline. Post-deadline, it's been kind of a different world, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit. but. Um, it's, it, it was just to fly be bleak for a while, I guess is one way, one way to put it.
0: Were there any players, like, in particular that you saw that, you know, even though the team as a whole wasn't doing great, but those players, you know, still managed to do pretty solid?
1: Yeah, I mean, the I was kind of on Twitter saying a little bit, calling it the line of demarcation between the top six and the bottom six. So for um, pretty much anybody that was paired with uh, Kreider and Zibanejad was perfectly fine on their right wing. Or um, finally, when we saw a little bit more Lafreniere, obviously his game came alive a little bit um, there. Strom and Panarin have been an interesting pair, a little bit up and down. Strom had a very strong start to the year. He's slowed a little bit since. Um, Panarin specifically, I'll just speak at 5v5, five, 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 compared to his historical impacts was a little weak. Um, but that line overall was doing fine. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Taco was obviously running with them in the first half a little bit before any injuries or mix-ups there. Um, Fully pedal, you know, hit or miss, definitely hot or cold, but he's been perfectly fine. But then as we get to the bottom six, that's when we get to the bad. Um, you know, I love – lo- I know everybody loves Ryan Reeves, and I think he has definitely brought some value to the team. But when he's on the ice, he just doesn't do enough consistently – in terms of statistic, statistically speaking, I should say, um, to be an impact. And then even kind of Rooney's in that same mix. He's doing – it seems like he's doing the right things, but he still doesn't drive much offense, and that's kind of the problem. And, and that's really the root cause for the Rangers before the deadline of, of their issues.
0: Is it, like, possible that, like – I know a lot of people have been arguing about, like, oh, the Rangers, like, pre-deadline, the Rangers, you know, were just terrible, 35, and maybe their stars were, you know, besides Kreider, you know, having a dead year – I kind of argued that, like, you know, since they have, like, no depth, they have to the, – basically, the starters have to put on an extra load. And, uh, you know, you could just tell sometimes during the season, guys like Fox, Sabanajad, um, other players, you know, were kind of run down. I know Kreider, for some reason this year, has been a horse and just absolutely mm-hmm. just dominated. I mean, look, he's got 50 goals on the season. It's it's insane. We were literally a year ago talking about, will this guy ever hit 30? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy goes in, it's 50. Yep. So, like, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, no, I just, I, I mean, I agree. It's very hard to be an above average player all year, right? You're going to have your ups and downs. So the fact that Grider and Zemanage have pretty much done that all year together, of course, feeding off each other a little is huge. Um, you know, Strom and Panarin complement each other pretty well, even though I think eventually we're going to have a life without Ryan Strom or, you know, at least that pair together, even if he does stick around long term. So, yeah, to your point, I mean, the top six had to carry them. And if they didn't, I mean, those were the ugly games to watch. Those were the blowout games because the bottom six just was not going to generate any offense, at least at even strength. And, you know, ironically, power play one is out there for a minute and a half. And usually that either really goes well or, um, you know, that power play usually ends with power play two, just kind of milking out those last 30 seconds. So, yeah, to your point, it's they they had to carry that load in the first half for sure.
0: So I mean I guess it kind of like you know when it was out of jury's plans you know when Blay obviously went down with that injury and he was kind of like the key guy for the third you know line to start contributing and when that went out uh, people forget like not only do you now have to like you know replace Blay on the third line but because he was, if his injury Goudreau had to be moved to the second line so not only yep. did you lose Blay but you also lost Goudreau on that third line. So yeah yeah I I mean. It's like, I don't know. I mean, obviously with Vitaly Kravtsov, you know, not ending up being here, I think, you know, people forget like our depth was seriously shallow. I mean, I obviously, as you said, I I think Ryan Reeves is an amazing locker room presence. I think he's brought so much, but then again, 99% of his serious, you know, positive impact on this team, maybe even a hundred is just in the locker room. Maybe one game when someone gets a dirty hit, you know, and they're playing them, the next day, like obviously maybe you want Reeves there then. I don't know. But I, I, I some people say no, but like I'm saying his majority of his impact, you know, is in the locker room. So when Mott went down with an injury that absolutely devastated me because that guy was like fantastic. Was he like, I, I know his five e five numbers, like, you know, he's not offensively, you know, the points, but you know, what, what, what did he show you?
1: Uh, did you mean Sammy, Sammy blaze or Mott? When, I'm when sorry, Matt. I, I, I know right? I was just—I yeah.
0: know I just like totally went to the, another world on that question.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I—I I, I think when Blay went down, obviously going back all the way back to the first part of the season, yeah, that—that that became an issue because Lafreniere and Kako weren't necessarily letting the world on fire to start the season, which it is what it is. I think they've had fine seasons, especially um, looking back now. But yeah, with Mock going down too, it kind of gets us back into that conversation of that means Reeves is probably in the fourth line a little bit more. Um, and really, I mean, the the really good teams typically that can go the length of 16 games in the NHL playoffs have four good skating lines. Even that one week link, which unfortunately, again, Reeves would definitely be on my glad I called that guy list. So let's not mix this up. But at the same time, I mean, um, he's not gonna do an up night tonight. To consistently outshoot and out chance the other team, which is not going to be able to happen every single line, every single period, but you want him to be at least hovering around 50%. So maybe um, there's a chance that their bottom six, when they're matched up with our with the Rangers bottom six, is not uh, constantly getting outshot, you know, 60-40, 70, 30. And and that's just the idea, it's just the balance. And I think we all knew that we all as fans knew that in December. And unfortunately, we just had to wait until the Vachado trade for anything to happen. And they somehow survived it on the back of uh, Igor Shosturkin, some power play, and a little bit better play starting in February. But um, luckily, like I said, it's pre-deadline. It was it was one life, and now we're living a different life now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a totally different 5v5 team. I mean, just eye test-wise, like for me, like I personally am not the greatest analytic yep. guy. But I don't know, my philosophy is it's just like – it, there's a middle ground, like it's not all analytics. It's not all eye tests. There's a middle ground where some things analytically you can't see with the eye test and some things with the eye test, you can't see analytically. Do, do you, would you follow that philosophy or do you have a different perspective?
1: No, absolutely. I I just think what, what I've always gravitated towards the numbers, so to speak is um, I have a firm belief that you can be the smartest hockey mind in the world, but our, our minds just can't process every single possible play during during a hockey game and simply yeah 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 except, except except mvp level players yes that's a good point um yeah and i'm not a great hockey player i grew, I grew up playing but that's that's neither nor there but i mean but ultimately and i also like to re- i really get into the trends basically you know how are the Rangers shots going in the last 10 20 30 games etc because that kind of indicates how the team is playing and also it might indicate that certain lines or, or defensive pairs aren't playing you know, it might seem like I I like to use um defensive pairs especially because it might seem like they're having okay games, you know, but if they're not generating any offense or if they're getting out shot, you know, 70-30 and just surviving because the goaltender's playing well, what are we really doing here? We should maybe consider changing those pairs up. So that's all I mean. And I, I lean on the numbers. Um I lean on the numbers to see what my eyes are seeing during the game. But then also Frankly, if you've never watched a team once, you can probably go to the numbers and get an idea of the style of play if they're high event, low event, take a lot of shots, get a lot of chances, or, or don't give up much, and then kind of just watch them to see if you agree with that, just with, with what you're seeing during a game. And I do think, ultimately, Stanley Cup champions or really good NHL teams or really good hockey teams in general, no matter what level, do end up matching up to see uh, between the numbers and the eyes.
0: So uh, regarding, like, obviously the 5v5 numbers, is there any players specific in particular who'd we be surprised uh, pre-trade deadline didn't do as well analytically or maybe did better analytically than we anticipated?
1: That's a good question. So I kind of hinted at Panarin, but I feel like that one's been kind of discussed a lot, and he's having a heck of a year points-wise. So let's not beat that one to, to, to bed, but I would say maybe Dryden Hunt because I think we could see him get scratched down the spring here and maybe in playoffs. Um, Hunt came in to the Rangers with some strong defensive impacts, meaning he just, when he's on the ice for some reason, um, which I think he influences this with his good skating and good positioning, does not give up as much as shots, as many shots and chances as relative to his teammates. So, and he's continued that with the Rangers. And while the Rangers team defense really hasn't been a problem all year, they've been hovering around average. Um, when, hunt comes on the ice they get you know towards that top 10 level of a defensive team um and that's kind of what you definitely want to see out your bottom six in my opinion so I'll give him as kind of one that's surprised um in in a positive way in the first half
0: um wow that's really surprising I'm happy to glass that one um I mean there are some players where um I think like maybe I don't know obviously I'm not analytically but I would think this possibly a reason like uh we just discussed mod is like Mott not only made the penalty kill better by himself, but he also made the players around it better. Like you saw once he started passing it back, the other players started passing it back, you know, not only dumping a chase and it looked like the globe trotters during. Yeah. The <laughs> kill. So I yeah. don't know. Could you, would you say that maybe Hunt had a similar effect on the people around him? Um, I mean,
1: Hunt was put in a t- tough spot when Blay went down to, you know, be playing with,
0: Stroman, Panarin, right? right?
1: Everybody, even even I would agree. I'm 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 praising him for how he's played this year, but he is not a second line NHL winger. So I think oh, that's, absolutely not. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, I guess my point is what I'm excited to see down the stretch here, even with Mot injured, is if if Hunt's going to be on that fourth line in his limited minutes, I think you can see that speed, the skating, and then his defensive impacts kind of come to life and help out whether it's Rooney or Reeves that's on the ice, or if um, when Hito comes back, if uh, Goodrow kind of drops down to that fourth line, um, then that all of a sudden that's a fourth line with some teeth. And to your point, that fourth line goes from surviving a 45 second shift while we're waiting for the next, you know, one of the top six lines that come out to maybe creating a little bit of noise, maybe um, burning up a team, sh- the other team shift for 60 seconds in, in the opponent's zone. And I mean, Ultimately, that's what you want to see out of your bottom six. Just uh, not just surviving, but uh, thriving, if you will.
0: <laughs> so regarding, obviously, we mentioned just the, posit- the, the positive play. You know, that would be surprising. Is there anyone that negatively would surprise us?
1: Um... I don't think it's a surprise, but obviously Patrick Nemeth hasn't worked out for uh, multiple reasons. <laughs> right. um, he, yeah, I mean, it, he's definitely one where I thought he was going to be a, uh, have some strong defensive impact. So I'll call that out on myself because historically he has, but he definitely struggled
0: um, to, he to struggled find in a group. The playoffs, lo- no, like, I think are yeah, no, right. everyone he, yes. was like calling us out for yep. that signing. No. Yep. No, you're,
1: you're, you're correct. He he did not have the greatest playoffs with Colorado. I believe it was the spring before. Um, but that said, I'm just talking his, right, his, yeah, in general. his career work was positive defensively. So, um, you know, you could argue it was a buy low, I guess. Ultimately it's not really a surprise, but it's probably a good thing that it seems like Braun and Schneider are now the third pair locked in until somebody else until hopefully nothing happens, but until something else happens, because, um yeah Nemeth just hadn't gotten it done outside of a 10 15 game stretch with Lundqvist way back in November.
0: It was is it just me or is it like obviously as of recently it hasn't been that way. It just seemed that when Nemeth came back from that long stretch, he hasn't been like terrific, but it seemed like he was somewhat stable. Would that be like correct analytically or not so much? It was
1: he had some interesting numbers with um, Schneider specifically as Schneider kind of got established in his role. Um, they were over 50 percent in terms of shots and chances for for a little bit. But then they had a couple bad games. They're right back down in that 45 percent where you got to really consider breaking them up because it's just not working. So um, I would definitely say, yeah, after we learned that he's having struggles with uh, COVID, if you will. Um, that he has not been as bad as he was in December and January. But um, right now I think Braun Schneider is a fine third pair. Um, Br- Braun can move a little bit better. It looks like, and obviously Schneider has been great, especially given his age and being a rookie.
0: Yeah. I mean, Schneider, the fact that he's come in and played like this is just terrific. Um, yep. What do you think of um, the concept of, I mean, now it just seems like maybe Fox and Lincoln are starting to get going. So that maybe the time has passed, depending on who you ask. But me and uh, Fitz, if you know him, we were discussing. Yep. Just I was just texting him, DMing him. It, we we agree, Like it, it, there was, you know, there was no, you know, loss to trying to switch the defensive pairs, even just for a game. Like there was no loss to it. There, there's nothing you lose uh, having Lindgren and Truba and Fox and Miller. You know, maybe switch it up like a bit because I was speaking to some people and they said Truba and Miller's main weakness is both of them are bad on the transition uh, regarding like three on twos and getting it straight out the zone, not straight out the zone. I'm sorry. When the three on two is on them. So I figure like the Mm -hmm. whole point of a defensive pair is that each one of their weaknesses is the other one's strengths. And that's what makes a strong pairing. But if you have two of the same players, you know, that have the same weakness, you know, what are we doing? Would you, would you agree with that? Or you you would say, you know, it's better than I think.
1: No, I I completely agree, and you've uh, clearly done your research because this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've been I've been kind of banging this drum for I mean since pretty much middle of last season that I think Lindgren Truba, while they might not be a great pair together, would be a better compliment for each other because I think Lindgren naturally sits back; he has that defensive defenseman uh, overall mentality, and Truba does want to roam, and he gets in trouble with some bad pinches. Um, his breakouts are really hit or miss unless he has a lot of time. And I mean, Keandre Miller. What, I mean, how else can we compliment this guy? He's he's done everything and more. And the reason the the reason the Rangers have seen such a dramatic increase in terms of their shots and chances against in the second half, well, in, in like basically the past twenty five games, is because I really, really Miller took his game to the next level, and that and he is now carrying Truba. I would argue. I really do think if we don't see it this spring or in the playoffs, which we probably won't, the first pair of defense for the New York Rangers next year should be Caldre Miller and Adam Fox. And Ryan Lindgren should take a back seat with Truba on the second pair, which, I mean, they end up playing the same time on ice anyway, so it's really not a big deal. But I think it's time to, to see 79 and 23 together.
0: Right. I mean, it was just because it was baffling to me because – you, you, you don't lose anything you try it and hey right. it doesn't work out you you just switch it big deal yeah. it didn't work Could always go bad. back <laughs> right exactly yeah. that was just bothering to me but I, I don't know um i mean the i'm not complaining about galant a lot because i mean look what he's taking this team but like you know he has obviously when greg McCaig was over morgan Barron sometimes you know some <laughs> questions have to be had so sure. now that we've talked about you know pre-deadline let's talk about you know after the deadline this team I don't know, just from my perspective, has transformed their 5v5. Um, they get in the zone. They stay in the, – getting in the zone, I don't think, for me, was ever the problem. It was staying in the zone, which was, yep. you know, for me, uh, for me just when I was seeing the main problem. And um, just having a guy with like Vetrano, like, you know, who he stole for a fourth-round pick, and then a guy like Andrew Cobb, you know, just just those two players – I feel like it's not only that those additions, you know, alone that we got two better players, but it also took less, you know, stress off the top players. And, you know, look at Panarin now, like he's back to, I know, like people kind of like mocking people, like saying, oh, Panarin's, you know, has 88 points, but he's having a back year. Like, I don't think that's like, people didn't mean like he's playing terrible. It's just like, he's not being as flashy as he once was, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So, yeah, like, dominant, right? right? So, I'm not saying he's like he's having a crazy down year. I'm just saying, is he never looked truly like himself, even though, like, listen, he's gotten the points. That's just show you how good he is. Even when he's not 100%, he's still getting the points. But mm-hmm. obviously, now when he has less pressure on, like, I mean, look at the guy. He, he's, he, what is he eating? Right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's definitely rolling now. He's got that
1: gallop going down the wing with the puck for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, it's I terrific
0: mean, before the playoffs, also.
1: Right. No, over, overall, you're, you're spot on. I think the biggest thing is, um, kind of like we alluded to not long ago, is um, the depth was brought in. The, and what I will compliment Julian, and I, and I was obviously pretty hard on him in the first half of the season, was he went and got three skaters. Um, we've kind of already hit on this with Mott, but Kopp and Petrano are obviously no slouches. They, they fly around and they make those lines better because, to your point, It wasn't necessarily a zone exit or a zone entry thing. It was a dump and chase thing, and it was a one and done. And unless they got a clean chance or a rush chance, to be honest, it was coming the other way, and they were just going to wait to break the the play up and try to uh, reverse that in transition. So now with three lines and a lot of options, more for the bottom six and the top six, um, you really got a good combination of of areas you can go to to kind of maybe make some lines that have different looks Not only that, but then also consistent skating lines that can keep that puck in the zone um, and hopefully keep it through multiple shifts as well.
0: So I I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, is this 5v5, you know, this brand new, like, good-looking 5v5, (laughs) only, like, versus teams that are, you know – you know, not in a playoff spot or, you know, I know I, we've seen the team play great against playoff teams, but do you think this would trend, this will, you know, transition to the playoffs or you think this is not, you know, totally the true Rangers?
1: So I'll answer negatively and then positively, okay. <laughs> uh, negatively, negatively speaking. I mean, it's been a bit of a soft schedule. Nobody's going to deny that they, they, it, it, it is what it is. You can't, you can only play the schedule that you're given. Um, on the positive side i'll say two things one it's kind of i'm looking at this like football nobody is complaining about like the hurricanes or the leafs um beating up on bad teams because they're supposed to be so if the rangers are supposed to be now a a decent or good five on five team or a good team overall they're just taking care of business against bad teams i mean good teams beat bad teams handedly and that's what they're doing um and then the second half of that is there's still a handful of good games left. Um, you know, they play the the, the Hurricanes on the 12th. Um, and then also they've got a bunch in the last week. I think it's the Hurricanes again, the Bruins, and I think the Caps or something along those lines. But either way, my point is the last week of the season, we're going to see probably some pretty intense, almost playoff-like games, especially if the Rangers are pushing to win the Metro, which they likely will. Uh, the NHL is not the type of league where a team will sit back totally or, or rest multiple guys at, at once
0: so speaking on that just quickly uh irrelevant to this conversation I just keep on asking everyone I mean I have my opinion about this but I just wanted to ask yours um do you believe we should rest our players starting now or should we go for the division title
1: <laughs> so I just said don't rest but at the same time I think it'd be smart if for some reason you know the Rangers drop a few games or the Hurricanes really pull away I mean um you got to think about the matchups a little bit. I think if you're management specifically, I would definitely rather, you, you could probably make an argument. You'd rather play the Penguins and the Bruins. Um, But you know, if it's, you go into the last week, which I think it's either three or four games and you're only two points or three points back, you're probably going for it. Maybe rest one or two, especially if there's an injury concern anything right. right along those lines, but probably nothing radical, um, I would say unless unless the gap is like six going into that last week, then maybe you consider three or four guys, and if you can get away with it, but it, it's tough. You can't. The moment you do that, then we will go back to the conversation about depth
0: and bringing in players that are really going to
1: harm your team. <laughs> so right. it's
0: it's tough. Would you if you would have to if you like would decide to make the rest a player or two? Who would it be personally for me? I want my number one defenseman to you know healthy and rested, by yep. the, especially because he's looked run down. Sometimes in the past couple yep. of weeks. So I, I mean, I don't want Pittsburgh uh, series coming up or whoever they play. And Fox is, you know, only playing at, you know, 70, 80 percent. I want to playing at 100 percent. So yep. if there's one or two players that, you know, you think you would rest, who who would they be? I would definitely
1: think one or two of the top 4 defense. I mean, we we just kind of said Nevitt doesn't have it, but you could also bring up a couple other different names and um and and help that out. So pretty much any of the top 4 defense especially if they're nursing any injuries. Um Kreidin's advantage, seem healthy, no issues there. Um you just don't want to risk them. I would say maybe Strom because he's having kind of a a little bit of an off second half compared to the first half if he's nursing anything. Um and then let me think. Paco probably needs to play even more, so there. Th- that's somebody you could promote to the top six as he gets back right. into
0: the swing of things. Um, but Aaron looks, yeah, good. Th- Maybe yeah, Truba looks- because he takes the body a lot.
1: Yeah, and that's what I and that's what I mean. Truba Truba seems like with Miller going, maybe Truba gets an off night. Maybe you could could try some defensive pair experiments for Schneider and Miller games or something like that. Yeah, oh, that, <laughs> that that like I'd that. like to see. You, that, yeah, you never nice. know. So, and then I don't know, maybe maybe if, if Hunt's going to really lock into your fourth line, maybe somebody like that, that's going to be, you know, probably beat up even after one or two
0: series. Hopefully it goes longer though. <laughs> so how, what were the Rangers ranked before the trade deadline with 5 e 5 numbers? Um,
1: so like in terms of Corsi, which is just shot attempts on goal and then expected goals, we're talking at 5 e 5 bottom, bottom third. Not, not, not bottom five, but like anywhere between the 20th and 25th spot, depending on, the, depending on the stat. And the problem was all offense. They just could not generate consistent shots and, and scoring chances on goal at 5-5. Five five.
0: Holy cow. And then like afterwards, how, how, I know obviously they played a lot of, you know, uh, non-playoff teams, but uh, how have they been uh, posted?
1: Yeah. On? No, since the 21st and even when Toronto came along, they have been um, just boring on top five, basically. Holy it depends cow. on it depends on what stat, But, yep, it's it's night and day, really. Um, I will say that the shots, I think they started getting better or they're maybe shooting more. Lots. They're not waiting
0: for the perfect opportunity, I think, is
1: right. A, a big of it where I was going with that is a big of it is they're giving up less shots and chances than they have been for 20, 25 games. Um, but they, the biggest difference post deadline is they are getting way more shots and chances on net. So when you got both of those things going in the right direction, obviously you're going to vault from ranking 23rd to, you know, fifth or fourth, basically (laughs) very quickly.
0: So where do you see, like, you know, obviously you see post trade deadline, they're doing amazing. You know, it's been, you know, it's black and white night and day. Um, Where do you see this? I know I just asked Where you see them, you know, when they play a playoff team in the playoffs, what realistically, I mean, do you you see them playing more this style or maybe, you know, maybe being the 10th best or the 15th best? Where do you see them ending up?
1: So... My thing was back in December when I when I started on Twitter, at least calling for a trade immediately for some forward help. My thing is they're going to start playing better teams. Right. And it's just they're not going to have their best every night. They're not going to dominate. They're probably not going to dominate anybody. I'll just say it like that. So really, the ideal the the ideal thing is you hang around 50 percent with a team like the Penguins, with a team like the Hurricanes or the Bruins or whoever they end up playing. Um, at at even strength. You just, you trade chances, trade shots and you let Schuster take over from there. And then when you get that power play, hopefully um, the very, very good power play that they've had all year continues. And then instead of it saving your games, um, in the sense of either putting you up by one, or well, I guess that's not saving it, but or making making the difference, making the full difference, being the power play, that becomes a weapon. Maybe it puts you up by two or three because you hung in there and made it one one at five to five or even straight. You see what I'm
0: saying? Right. I mean, what like versus Pittsburgh? It just it just seems like they've been doing amazing against. Um, yep. I know Pittsburgh's <laughs> not the speedy team it once was, but they're definitely not you know a weak team per se. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that part. But um, I, I don't know. It just seems like the Rangers seem to have their number in the regular season. I mean, is there any analytics showing why, like, what's the pinpoint reason behind that? I, no, I mean, not necessarily. And it's kind of tough just to draw from two games. I
1: think they're just, the Rangers have been doing what we've been saying they're doing, just getting more shots for and then subsequent they're giving up less, and I think the Penguins, to your point, just really can't hang with them. I think the Penguins are in that kind of second tier of the Eastern Conference. They're definitely not the top contenders, so I think it's a good sign that the Rangers are handling them well. And hopefully, that means they can do what I was talking about before with the better teams, which is just hang in there at even strength and then let goaltending and uh, the power
0: play take over. Okay, so basically, like just to sum it up, like five you know, in the playoffs, you know, you know, it- it's not maybe it might not be as great now, or maybe, maybe it will be, but they'll be able to seem to be transitioned out to the playoffs per se, if that makes sense. Yep.
1: I would be very
0: surprised
1: even in the first round, no matter who they play, if they just get trounced, like like we saw some bad games over the winter. I would agree.
0: Right. I mean, if is there, how many teams do you believe they could beat in the Eastern Conference final? <laughs> not the final, the Eastern Conference yeah. that, uh, you know, who do you think they could beat? Even if they won't, you know, obviously play them, who in the Eastern Conference who is making the playoffs do you think they could be?
1: I mean, so, yeah, like if I, if I got a hand to rank them as tears, I think Carolina, Boston, and Toronto are kind of um, in, their own, in their own space. For the Rangers to be one of those teams, the Rangers are going to have to be very sharp. They're probably going to have to get really good goaltending out of – oh, and Florida, of course. Sorry. So there's four teams. They're going to have to get – Toronto, really? Good really? I to mean, start. they
0: haven't made the – They've, since two thousand four,
1: that's I mean that's fine. Um, That'd be classic. The though, the numbers, they get it versus us. I mean, the beauty of the numbers is um, they don't care about the history, so the <laughs> right? <performance>, exactly. Really. <laughs> right. Right. So no. Yeah. I think. I, I think. And and I, I hear you. I mean, I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is going to be a classic Toronto team." But I just think if you put a, put together enough good teams year over year over year, one of them is going to break through. So we'll see if that's this year for them. But I, I think just. The East is stacked. We've known that all year. So it's tough. But I think there's four teams that um for the Rangers are going to be a very, very tough out. But I mean, goaltending and goaltending in special teams, if they're hot, they're hot. It's tough to tough to do anything about it. So we'll see.
0: So like Washington, Pittsburgh, they shouldn't um
1: Yeah, that's why I think the Penguins are a great first round matchup for the Rangers in terms of getting through to the next round. And the Capitals are complete frauds this year. They're they're not a good playoff team. <laughs>
0: How many games do you think they'd beat uh, Pittsburgh in? <laughs> oh man, I mean, safe
1: play is six. Won't go to seven, but I can see it in five, though.
0: <laughs> so the last thing before we go, um, obviously, we yeah, you know, just discussed the post-trade uh, thing. Are were you expecting this big of a push? At, you know, what do the analytics say about that? Like, ha- how many teams have done this, going from black to white in you know post-trade deadline? Like this with the five to five numbers.
1: I mean, I was asking for trades in December for the idea of maybe the Rangers being an average team at five on five and then having Shisterkin at the PowerPoint take over the rest. This has gone extraordinarily well. <laughs> I feel like I'm quoting Moneyball where this is where he's saying if this goes extraordinarily well, we'll be you know a game out of first. This has gone very, very, very well. Um, so hopefully um, with you know a couple of weeks left here, they'll continue that. They won't peak early or nothing weird happens you know knock on wood but, but um, there it's for for a season where that has been up and down and had a lot of news stories this is this is going well
0: as we reach April and May Got it. I'm sorry I know I said one more question but just one more yeah. hat was <laughs> time. Um the the Rangers possession in the offensive zone. Well, what's better about it is because the Vetrano Cup, are they faster or is it because, you know, they're better at puck possession or are they passing it back to the point and now shooting it more? And, you know, the players are able to forecheck better. What specifically is, you know, jumping up those numbers?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good question. That's that's more of a tactics question, I see. So I'll make a distinction in case anybody's listening that doesn't even, you know, has never heard the word Corsi. So shot attempts are we treat it as a proxy meaning if you're taking seven shot attempts to your opponent's three, um, that means that when, that when that shot attempt was recorded, it just means that it was in the opponent's zone, right? So in theory, you're spending more time in the opponent's zone than the other, but we know that's not necessarily true from a, from a clock perspective. Um, so what the Rangers really are doing, and all I can speak to, is that they're taking more shot attempts, they're getting more scoring chances, which insinuates that they're in the opponent's zone more, creating more offense. I just truly think, from what I can tell from my eye and my elementary, you know, understanding of hockey, is um, that they're, they've have a depth lineup more that has much better skaters who then, in turn, can um, apply more pressure and you know create more turnovers in the offensive zone, which then keeps that puck moving around. Because we've seen it once they do get possession, and if a couple lanes open up. Um, even down to the third line with you know Hito Lof, and kaka or anything along those lines, they can they can move it around and they do like to move it to the point a lot. So I just think it's it's the results of the deadline deadline trades with better skaters and being able to apply more pressure.
0: All righty. Uh Rob, before we uh head off, you want to post in your Twitter handle what you do exactly, all that? Uh yeah, if anyone wants to
1: follow me, it's R Luker L-U-K-E-R-1-2. Um, you know, I I mix between some serious, <laughs> relatively serious analysis, analysis, and then just uh, some charts and memes because I don't know, I get bored and only have so much time, basically. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right, yeah, of course. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully we'll have you on some other time. Absolutely.